Hey, everyone. Thank you so much for joining us for another Principal's Desk podcast. My name is David. I am the founder of the Principal's Desk, and I am joined today by Cherie Dupree, and she has quite a a story uh, about her own educational background, where she's worked, what she's done. Uh, uh, I'm excited because uh, in one of our earlier podcasts, we did go international. I did have uh, Curtis Houston on, and he is Canadian from Canada here. And uh, Sheree is in the Atlanta area, but she has worked uh, in, a, in a variety of places around the world. Such a cool story, and I'm excited for everyone to hear it. Um, and then we're going to get into her take on effective formative assessments. What do they What do they look like? How do we use them as educators? Um, you know, that whole like kind of international global mindset in education is what really is making me excited today. So Sheree, thanks so much for joining us. Hey, thank you, David, so much. It's just a pleasure to be here with you today. Awesome. Thank you. And so um, I'm hoping we could start off here. Like, you know, when I ask educators about, you know, where have you worked? What have you taught? It's kind of, I hate to say it, but a lot of us have the same story um, where, you know, hey, I got, I for me, it was I started substitute teaching where I where you know, the area that I lived in, and I finally got a job in that district, and I worked my way up and around and different things. Your story, though, is vastly different than I'll say mine. And I'm sure most educators out there. So, if you could just share with us uh, kind of your journey here uh, that um, got you to all these really really interesting and exciting places in the world. Hey, well, let me say my my journey began when I was five years old. You know, I was in kindergarten, fell in love with my kindergarten teacher, wanted to be just like her. And from that moment on, wanted to be a teacher. And I think many um, teachers felt that way from early on. Um, growing up, I knew, of course, that's what I always wanted to be. So went to school and started teaching after I graduated from university, second grade. Um, I really was the worst teacher ever. And I thought, goodness, how did I get into education? And I'm so bad at it. Um, and it's been my lifelong dream. Did I, did I miss it? And a teacher really helped nurture me and mentor me early on um, in great educational instructional practices. And I grew as a teacher from there. So I taught in the classroom for six years. And then I moved into um, a gifted education teacher for a couple of years. Then I combined the gifted with being the school librarian. So it seemed like every year I was getting asked to do something something new and grow in my profession. And then our school where I was currently um, in Chattanooga, the principal was retiring. So the head of school asked, came down and asked me if I would be interested in being the principal. Well, you know, I was pretty young at that point, just 30 years old, and a lot of teachers in the school much older than me, and I thought, no way can I do this. But he had such great faith in me, and he said, I will help you. And my friends, my teachers in the school who were even older than me and more experienced said, you're the right choice. And so I became the principal um, at the school in Chattanooga and stayed there for 14 years and 20 years total in the school. And 
Then I got involved in a ministry in Togo, West Africa in developing village schools. Um, I was asked to go help train teachers and develop schools in Togo, West Africa. So I traveled there three times a year with a group of teachers from my school and um, some friends who lived in Togo and we worked to develop um, 15 schools there in Togo. We wrote curriculum, we developed a teacher training school, we, um, we got supporters in the United States to help pay for teachers so they could go to school and our school in Chattanooga helped um, supply those schools with materials. So it became a great ministry and opportunity for me to kind of break out of that United States box and move internationally and learn more. And I think it was one of yeah. the greatest gifts I could have been given to experience the culture there. Oh, going international. I've never taught internationally in person, but I have worked with educators across the world. And uh, I've worked with groups in New Zealand and Australia and uh, in um, Asia. And it's so fascinating how um, sometimes I have the same conversations that I do with someone who works down the street from me. And then sometimes it is vastly different, though. And you do get those little like just differences in philosophy and just how they go about things. And sometimes you can take those nuggets back and they'll they'll work pretty nicely within this American system that we're in. And sometimes they don't. And sometimes we question, well, it's working over there. Why don't we do that over here? And so I just think it's fascinating. Um, you know, I uh, never got to work with educators in where you did, but uh, just absolutely fascinating. So Go on, please. Like we're, we're in Togo right now, which is exciting. We are. And, you know, I fell in love with Africa. I fell in love with the African people, with the culture. And um, I was given an opportunity to go be a principal at a school in Ghana in the country next door. And so I took that opportunity and became the K-12 uh, school administrator there. And um, through a series of circumstances, uh, the head of school at my school um, had to leave. And so I was asked to be head of school. So I stayed there for five years and um, we got the school accredited and uh, did some incredible things there. And then I was ready to do something new and go to a new challenge. And so I um, was offered a position as an assistant head of school director of teaching and learning in Dubai. So I moved to Dubai and there I learned a whole new culture. I went from third world country to first first world country, if you can say that. Um, and it was just amazing. And that is where I learned a great deal. You know, in Dubai, they want to be the first in everything, the mm -hmm. tallest building, the fastest elevator, all of these things. Well, they want to be best in education, too. So um, I was given a lot of training in Dubai, but, and then I am from Atlanta. So uh, through, because of a family circumstance, uh, my grandmother getting older, we moved back uh, to the States and I've been here in Atlanta and I am currently the um, division head, the head of the early elementary Divi division at Trinity School in Atlanta. But you know, I've been on a journey and it's been a great journey. <laughs> I'll say, I'll say, I think my journey, I, you know, I, uh, I've lived in two states my entire life, most of it in one state. I taught in, you know, a couple of different districts and, you know, was administrator in a couple of different districts. The thought about moving across the world, you know, to work in an education system that is vastly different than ours um, 
and have that learning experience uh, is, is something that I think a lot of educators, we fantasize about that, you know, but we don't go, we don't go through it for a lot of different reasons here. Uh, you did it and you have those experiences, which I think are, are absolutely amazing. Um, we could probably do, you know, again, individual sessions or podcasts on like, what's it like to teach in, you know, in Ghana, you know, or Dubai. <laughs> and I actually worked with um, some educators from Dubai. Most of them are Americans who are, are over there and they're, they're, they work in American schools. And uh, so I know a, a little bit from them, but just being there and living there and experiencing a different way of life and in a lot of ways I can't imagine I've never been there before it is on my list though of places in the world that I would like to visit one day but um yeah I mean what's funny is that you you uh yeah at the end it was Chattanooga to Atlanta which is seems like a, that's a lot of people's journey but in between West Africa and uh, the Middle East for sure so um what you know what are some of your I guess your takeaways from either you work in West Africa or you work in Dubai, like what, what are we missing here in, um, in America? I will say, since we are here in America and I know we do have listeners across the world, but what are we missing in American education that you've experienced that uh, you maybe we should be thinking about doing? You know, one thing I, first of all, I found in my travels, all teachers love students, you know, and they all care about student learning um, and all parents care about their students. Uh, my parents in Ghana, I think cared more because education to them is so important. It's not just a side thing that they do. It is their life. It is their, their ticket to prosperity, to something better um, mm -hmm. for their family. And so they really care and they care about how their students are learning. They're very involved, they're very intense, um, but they're lovely. They're lovely, sweet people. Um, you know, in Dubai, the same thing. Uh, they want to be first, they want to be the best, and so they care about their child's learning. And I think American parents do as well, and American teachers do too. Mm -hmm. But it was nice to see that correlation, that it's the same all over the world, right? Mm -hmm. Schools are the same, children are the same, they're fun, sure. Exciting. There's, they can be challenging. They can, um, they can be hard sometimes. And teaching can be hard and lovely mm -hmm. in every country that you're in. So I think those are the things that were similar. I think something in American schools is, um, you know, in I have been on a journey, and I think it's changing in America. Well, I know it is. Uh, we, the more we learn, and the more we look at student learning. For me, early on in my career, the focus was on teachers as an administrator, teachers and what teachers were doing in the classroom. And we were looking at practices. We weren't always looking at how students were learning and evaluating how they were learning. The students were not the center uh -huh. of education. The instruction was not individualized towards the student. And I, once I started researching that and started uh, getting out of my box a little bit of that, you know, someone asked me early on, um, 
when I was in Chattanooga, how are you evaluating teachers? And I said, well, I go in the classroom, I look at how they're energized. I look at, you know, does their board, everything up on their board as it should be? How does, how is their lesson plan? How is their teaching? Are they getting across what they're doing? How are the students behaving? What is their classroom management like? But you know, sadly, I never looked at the students and what they were learning and how they were learning and how teachers were assessing that learning. Mm -hmm. And I realized, oh my goodness, I've gotten it wrong for a very long time. And I have been on a journey of trying to get it right. And I've been in it for 35 years now. And I'm just now feel like I'm at a place where I really <laughs> understand it and, and I'm getting it somewhat right. <laughs> yeah, no, I, I, I agree 100%. And a lot of the work that I've done, I'd say over the last eight years or so, has surrounded that as well. It's it's getting away from focusing so much on what is the teacher doing right. to what are the students doing and how are they learning? And um, that's a major shift that I've seen in my own professional development um, as an educator, but also the, the professional development that I facilitate as well. Um, and some of my work um, as I'm associate of uh, Dr. Robert Marzano's, his art and science of teaching shifted from that as well, from the first version of it that focused on teachers, the second version focused on students and, you know, what they were grasping here and how do we, how do we know if students are retaining that information at deep levels? Um, is it, you know, are we getting away from just regurgitation of the knowledge or can they apply that knowledge? And that to me is so important as in, in our American education system, we've become crazy assessment driven but yeah. in the wrong way. And I'm an Absolutely. advocate, I'm an advocate of assessment. Um, but assessment that is purposeful, that is effective, that um, you know, we can analyze and then go further and really focus on what students actually need here. And I know that's been, you know, part of your work as well. And, you know, I think a lot of times teachers are just throwing like it's like the spaghetti at the at the wall and see what sticks here with assessments here. So I guess, what have you found to be uh, some of the most effective, uh, and we'll focus on formative assessments. And I think that's, again, what really drives student engagement and student learning here. What have you found to be uh, some successful uh, techniques in that area? Well, I think, you know, you're right. Early on, I was only focused on the summative and it was all about the grades students were making and it wasn't about what they were learning and how they were learning. And once I started researching and finding more about formative assessments and what they were, I, I realized that is what has to drive teaching because that is what drives student learning and helps us gear our teaching and adapt our teaching and modify it to what students need. So, you know, formative assessments are really just everyday happenings in the classroom. They're teachers watching, listening to what students are saying, what they're doing, what they're working on, having conversations with students, asking questions that, not questions where you just get a yes or no, but questions where you can really reveal their thinking and see their thinking. And you know, that is helping you gauge the gap between what they know and what they should know. Mm -hmm. Just by spending time with them and asking questions or watching, keeping track. And you can keep track through just check sheets or little post-it notes of how they're doing or what they're doing. Mm -hmm. And that helps you then go back and modify instruction 
modify the next day, modify the next week, or if you're working in small groups, which I think are most effective if you can, mm -hmm. modify those groups to what students need and put those students in that group. If you do that, then you're constantly giving students feedback. Here's mm -hmm. where you are, here's where you need to be, and here's how we're going to get you there. Here's the plan. And you know, that is that is what generates excitement about learning, having students take ownership of their learning. It develops a partnership between teacher and student for their best and their learning. And then when that summative does come eventually, they're ready. You know what they know, they uh -huh. know what they know, and they're not high stakes anymore. They're not anxiety filled. They're like, you're ready for this because we've worked all along to get you ready by con constantly looking and seeing right. what you're doing in the classroom. You, you, you touched on a couple of things I think are really important. Number one is, it, you know, these assessments give teachers the opportunity to modify their instruction. And that is something that is so important um, because again, that's what makes these effective. If you're assessing and you're not doing anything with the data, you are absolutely wasting your time. You uh, and I'll say that to any educator anywhere in the world, you're wasting your time. If you're using it for a grade, stop doing that. Um, having something that is short, but directed that can give teachers pertinent information that they need to pivot and to give students what they need needs to be kind of the sole point of these formative assessments. The whole notion of getting a grade for an assessment is, it's, it's basically an archaic way of looking at education. Here in real life, there are very few things that, that a lot of us go through that have like a summative assessment attached to it. Right. Um, that's just not how life is. There's a lot of smaller formative assessments along the way. And again, we want to see a student's uh, path to mastery. And for some students where we traditionally give that sum of assessments, hey, they're not done with their path. They're only halfway right. through and that's okay. These formative assessments allow us to know that we can't stop the learning progression with, like we normally do because, oh, sum of assessment onto the next unit. And yes, there is a pacing that has to be in education, but at the same time, it's like, okay, we need to know where they all are at at any given time and what they need. So modifying um, that instruction, pivoting when you need to. And then also it's, it, you said it as well, like it generates excitement for the kids too. Like no, no, no child loves like, oh, we have a test today. My kids <laughs> say this thing like, oh, I got a test on Friday. No one's excited about that. But what they are excited about is progressing. Like, mm -hmm. oh, like maybe I didn't do so well on this assessment. But on the next one where like my teacher helped me a lot more, oh, I did so much better. That's exciting for kids because they need they they need to see that they can improve and they right. can grasp this at high levels. And and I just think so many of us are we're so focused on pacing and like, oh, I gotta get through this. I don't have enough time. Gotta slow down a little bit. So I really, really I, I'm very much in line to what you were saying here and um, you know, providing those opportunities for both students and teachers to get better. Well, you know, we're about deep learning and we want children to learn deeply. It doesn't mean that they, you know, aren't going to learn and we're not going to get through what we need to get through. Of course, like you said, we need to be mindful of that, but they will get it. And it's all about the power of yet. If you can get that across the students, you're not there yet. Mm -hmm. 
Mm-hmm. So we're going to work as a team to get you there. And we're going to work together. We're going to set this learning target for you. And we're going to get you there as mm-hmm. best we can. You know, and that might involve reteaching or review. But how wonderful that is for students to experience that and have that kind of attitude in the classroom rather than a punitive attitude or a punitive grade just slapped down on them and said, hey, right. we got to move on. Um, what's more important is they they grasp what they need to know. It's our responsibility as educators to help them know what they need to know. Mm-hmm. We need to take that responsibility and help get them there. You know, I think of it as like a baseball team. Formative assessments are like the practice. You practice, practice, practice. You work, you fix mistakes, you get better. Um, And you work with your coach, the teacher, your teammates, you self-assess, you peer assess, you get better. And that game is a summative. Mm -hmm. You go out and that game is a summative. You're putting in everything that you practice is shown at that game and comes to fruition but you got to have the practice and that's what formative assessments are. You know, exit tickets, you can use entrance tickets, student Mm -hmm. checks, peer assessments. You know, I saw something a teacher did in a classroom. um, One of my classrooms the other day, it's called the three minute paper. She said, okay, you have three minutes. I want you to just write down, write everything you know about this. Wow. That is so wonderful. The teacher would be able to see what they know. You know, there's so many things you can do, but really just watching and looking and asking questions is the best thing. Are They're the best things to do. You know, I, I the notion of an exit ticket is something I've always liked. Um, and it's less for the kids, more for the teacher, because it lets them know, did my students understand what we we're talking about today? And that's going to, of course, help me inform what I'm going to do tomorrow. Um, it wasn't that long ago, though, that I first started here about entrance tickets and and yes i pre-assessments and like you know knowing where your kids are before you even start something yes of course but then but that calling it an entrance ticket i i mean we're just talking maybe six eight months ago like i first heard a teacher mention this and i think again that's great too because these are of course they're one minute activities an exit or entrance one minute activity that three minute paper um and i have i used used to use this um is fantastic because they're just writing and writing and writing and you can see, okay, like they know a lot or a little, or they're completely off topic or, you know, whatever it is. But again, we're not doing these three hour assessments, um, you know, that just take up so much time and energy. Um, the other thing too, it's funny, um, that baseball analogy I use all the time. In fact, I have a graphic in my presentations that I use that have, it's a, it's a picture of, it's a, probably like a 10 year old boy with his coach and they're doing batting practice. And the coach is like moving the child's bat. You can see, you know, that, and then, you know, and that's, you know, the, the formative piece, the assessment, you know, uh, the summative assessment is like the kid in the baseball game. Um, and the thing with the baseball game too, is that, Hey, you know what, guess what? There's another baseball game a couple of days later. It, it's not the end all be all. Right. And that that's what drives me nuts and you know my kids i have two children they're both in middle school and they take the statewide test at the end of the year and everyone focuses on those numbers and it's just like it's that was one day and it's a number in time that really doesn't mean anything and it doesn't help their teacher either because they've already moved on to the next set of teachers and these formative assessments i think are fantastic um and then from a school leadership standpoint when I was a principal, we did so 
many formative assessments uh, and they were common formative assessments. So we all can analyze our data together. I could accurately predict what my students were going to score on that big statewide seminar assessment. We knew nothing yeah. was ever a surprise. And I, I've always felt if you can do that, then you're doing assessment correctly because it, it should never be a surprise. And um, I think, unfortunately, we're, we're too often we're giving these assessments just to give them and we're not really focusing on the information that it can give us. Well, so many assessments, you know, they just produce cold data. Within a day or two, they're cold. And cold data is never useful in the classroom. Whereas formative assessments, that's real-time data every day. Every day it's happening. And the, the students don't even realize it. They don't know they're being assessed. There's not high anxiety. Right. You're just, you're using what you're gleaning in the classroom. You're available. You're working with students. But goodness, you know your students. You know what they can do and what they cannot do. And you sit with them and work with them to develop a plan to get them where they need to be. And you know, what great thing you can do to develop that relationship with your students and to sit down with parents in a conference and say, this child can do da 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 struggling with da-da-da-da-da-da-da, but mm -hmm. here's our plan and we're going to get them there. Parents love yeah. that. You know, yeah. they know you love and know their child. They know you've developed a relationship with them. They know you care. Mm -hmm. And that's, that's what's most important, isn't it? That students mm -hmm. are the center of what we do and we're doing it for them and their learning. It's about them. It's yeah. not about us. And I think that that's a nice kind of connection to your work in international, you know, schools in different continents and countries where at the end of the day, Parents care about their kids. They want the best for their kids. And when they send them to school every day, they want that partnership. They want to know, you know, where my, where is my student excelling? And then of course, like where, where does my student need more support? I don't think too many parents are, uh, you know, have the philosophy that their kid knows everything. Right. Um, there's always that room for improvement. And I think, um, you know, parents want the partnership and be able to share with them a plan that is in regular, like, language teachers speak, you know, like, we're not looking at numbers. We're not looking at that cold data. I love the, that cold data piece. I wrote it down. I might have to steal that and use that in the future. <laughs> okay. I'll, I'll credit you, no worries, because I think it's fantastic. But it's, you know, it's, 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 I think it's spot on. It's just like, I don't, yeah, oh, great. My kid scored a 1340 on that assessment. That means nothing to me. No. You know, what do they know? What, where, what, what, what can I help them with at home? Um, Cause that's that piece that comes back to parents. Again, you do an assessment correctly. Y'all know, you know, strengths, weaknesses, and what's our plan. Some assessment, you can't really do a plan. It's too late. It's cold data. You have warm data. You can put a plan in place and then reassess, I don't know, a week, a week and a half, two weeks later, and see, hey, are we progressing? Because there's that opportunity of time that that we can't go past to really get the kids the skills that they need uh, and solidify that so that we can move on and get them more new concepts. Absolutely. And you know, what we want to do at the end of the day is create a culture of learning where children are excited to learn. It's not about a grade that they get. It's not about how many A's or B's or whatever. 
numbers they get a four or three, it's about what they've learned. Mm -hmm. And it's about the process of learning mm -hmm. and creating that excitement about learning because then it will go through their whole life where they will be lifelong learners. We say yeah. that, say we want our children to be lifelong learners. This is how we get there. We create that excitement, that partnership in learning, that ownership of learning. And really that is done through formative assessments primarily. Um, and it's so useful, you know, in how we use it in the classroom, how we adapt our instruction, how we modify it, how we go back and reassess and how we sit with students and develop plans for them. You yeah. know, that is creating that culture. And that is what we want as educators, isn't it? To create that. Absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah. I, it's funny. Yeah. It's, it's the grade doesn't tell you what the student knows. I think about my, yeah. my own path. I, uh, I took a lot of AP classes in high school. Uh, and I remember uh, one class in particular, I took AP chemistry as a junior and I got an A in AP chemistry. I couldn't tell you the first thing about chemistry, even back then now, absolutely forget it back then. Forget it. I didn't bother taking the AP test because I knew I was I wasn't going to pass it, and I didn't want to waste the money on it. Um, but I got an A. So just from the outside perspective, oh, David got an A. He must be like a chemistry genius. I couldn't tell you one thing. I was able to do the assignments. I did a lot of extra credit, and that was it. And so um, I think you're spot on again. Like that end of the end of the year grade or the end of the year number, it doesn't mean much. What do you actually know about something? That is done along the way in those incremental periods where we can absolutely, you know, modify again our instruction to meet their needs, ensuring that they're learning. I think that's an invaluable lesson for any educator to uh, to have. Yeah. Do you love the learning, or do you love love that A at the end of the grading period? Okay, the A is great, but I would rather students love the learning and love the process. And formative assessments is a process. It's not a product. Um, yeah. Let me ask you a question here before we wrap up. I'm curious about this. Uh, in your experience in uh, West Africa and in Dubai, are parents there as obsessed with grades as we are here in the States? I would say in Ghana, yes, they're, they're very concerned about the grade, but that's because that's all they know. Um, you have to do a lot of training and a lot of parent meetings to help them understand what's most important, and that's the learning. And it's not all about the grade, but what they know is grades. Um, that's what's in their mind, and that's what they're attuned to. So they, they do care about the grade. Interesting. The parents in Dubai know they really didn't care much about the grade. They cared about learning and they wanted to know what their students knew and what they didn't know. And that's from training too, because the government in Dubai is very much involved in education. A lot of parent meetings happen, a lot of um, professional development on the parent end and teacher end. And so they get it, And it's it, but it's very high stakes. Uh, they better be learning. Um, you better be making sure that they learn. Um, but in the States, you know, I, I went to a school and moved from a traditional grading system to a standards-based grading. And, you know, I've got a, quite a bit of flack on that because parents wanted that grade. But once they understood and once they saw the benefit of it, and once they saw the culture change to a culture of learning, they appreciated uh -huh. it and saw the value in it. 
And so that's, that's my biggest thing is what is best for students first, first and foremost. Yes, I love teachers. I want them to do well. I want to take care of them as a leader and administrator. I want to make sure that they're doing well and give them what they need. But I care most about what students are learning and how they're learning. And I want to make sure that they are learning and make sure they love it. Absolutely. Well, thank you so much uh, for uh, for being here today. Love hearing your story and your your philosophy on formative assessments and what kids need. Um, I'll, I'll leave everyone here with this kind of this final thought here because um, you said something that generated this uh, in my brain uh, with the grading system here uh, that you went from a kind of a traditional grading system to a formative uh, grading system. I was one of those educators that did not understand uh, standards-based grading. Mm -hmm. I was, I was like, what, what's a three? Like what? I, so on, on, a, on like a report card, I'm gonna get like a three. Like, what does that mean? Like, where's my B? Like, I understand that. Um, and so if anyone that's out there, if you're kind of sitting where I, I used to be, um, there is a great article out there and I'll put a link to it here uh, in the notes section here. It's called the case against the zero. Uh, it's by Dr. Doug Reeves. It, it changed my whole philosophy on grading. Me um, too. Yeah, it's great. I mean, it is everyone who I share that article with is like, oh, because uh, when you look at that 100 point grading system um, where we get, you know, A, B, C, D, and F from mathematically, it makes zero sense. And not only does it make zero sense, it is detrimental to student learning. It is. And I couldn't, I, I, kind of started feeling this way and then I saw the article and it solidified it for me. I tried to explain it to educators. I, I know I tried to explain it to my teachers and I did a terrible job and I was like, just read the article then. Like I'm not, you know, it changed everything for us. So um, we'll put that link in the notes. I think it's fantastic. I think it also helps drive this notion of formative assessments, utilizing them, being there for kids. Cause like you said, it's not about the grade. It's about the learning. So thank you. Uh, hey, David, Shereen can I say one last thing? Oh, absolutely. Yes. One last thing. I, what you said about if you go down the road of looking against traditional grading and you understand the benefits of a standard-based grading system, you can never go back. And so oh. beware. Beware to listeners. You can never go back. You can't go back. You cannot do it. Uh, you know you cannot do it anymore you understand how it doesn't work. And right. then you feel like, it's almost like you're like, you know, this doesn't work. So why are we doing it? I, I could not agree with you more. And that's a whole, we could do a whole podcast on that, on that hundred point grading system as well. But Sheree, thank you so much for, for being here today. Uh, super interesting to learn about your journey. And again, your take on formative assessments. And uh, I have a feeling that uh, we'll have you back uh, for another episode uh, sometime soon, if that's all right with you. I would love that very much. And thank you so much, David, for the opportunity today. I really appreciate it. All righty. Thank you so much. Bye. Thank you.